Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 4 of A New Voice of Freedom, written by Ronald Keith Messer. This podcast is taken from a series of books written under the banner In Defense of Christianity. Podcast 174, Argument for the Existence of God, Episode 13, is entitled The Patterns of Nature. We know that some patterns occur randomly, like shapes in a cloud. I caught the image you see at the head of this podcast while watching thousands of starlings swarming above Syracuse, a small town in Utah. Are the starlings conscious of the fact that they have formed the shape of a giant starling? Perhaps in a primitive way they are. Are birds conscious of being birds as people are conscious of being people? I believe that all living things have some intelligence regardless of how primitive that intelligence may be. They are not driven entirely by instinct. They are not merely biological robots. Intelligence, regardless of the level, is inherent to life. They have consciousness. Therefore, they experience some joy in their own world as well as other complex emotions, each creature in its own level. It could even be said that all living things are separated by levels of intelligence, consciousness, and expressions of emotion. Man is the only being who can expand his consciousness and broaden his intelligence to comprehend God and eternity. Our freedom is inextricably tied to our ability to organize laws, accommodate our desires, and expand our consciousness. Our agency is inextricably tied to our knowledge of good and evil. Our free will, a product only of our spirit, not of our physical body, is inextricably tied to the laws of God spiritual, and temporal. Many patterns in nature appear random, but there are hidden patterns in nature that are not random that evolution claims to answer. However, their explanation leaves a nagging doubt in one's mind. It appears to violate too many laws. Without patterns, there would be no science. Patterns are the product of order. It is very probable, if not true by necessity, that all patterns, even those patterns that appear random, are governed by a strict set of laws. Our astute scientists have written volumes on the patterns of nature, which is evidence of their fascination. It is astonishing that their conclusions do not match the sum total of their facts. It is a basic rule of science that the cause must be equal to the effect, and that every effect must be accounted for. Superheroes only exist in comic books. I absolutely love the world of insects. Well, not all insects. I don't like gnats, flies, mosquitoes, boar bees, chiggers, or ticks. But that's all nitpicky. Thought I don't like lice either. One of my favorite insects is the praying mantis. It should be called Nimrod because it is a mighty hunter. Its body moves slowly, always stalking like a tiger but its strong arms move at lightning speed, and they are deadly. It eats its prey like eating corn on a cob. I have spent countless hours lying in the grass observing the small world under a magnifying glass. But let me just use one example from a very astute science writer, Lewis Thomas, taken from his delightful book, The Lives of the Cell. 
Professor Thomas points out a peculiar characteristic of the Australian termite. The termite cannot digest wood. Quite inconvenient, since wood is its only diet. Those of you who are on a gluten-free diet know how difficult it is to find food without wheat. Imagine being an allergic termite looking for a tree without wood. A petrified forest somehow doesn't cut it. Some humans probably consider that a spot of luck, though. But that just shows an inherent prejudice against termites. As Mr. Thomas informs us, the Australian termite, however, has a helper. The protozoan Mixotrica paradoxa. Which digests the wood. But the protozoan, Mysotrica paradoxa, has a handicap. It is quadriplegic. It employs fully formed perfect spirochetes that have attached themselves at regularly spaced intervals all over the surface of the protozoan. If that miracle isn't enough, there are bacteria living in symbiosis with the spirochetes and the protozoan, probably contributing enzymes that break down the cellulose. Take any of those away, and dead dies the Australian termite in the valley of extinction. As my mountain cousin Rusty says, he would be graveyard dead. How much trouble goes into creating a little termite? How could each of those organisms evolve separately and coincidence bring them together? If the Australian termite had to wait millions of years for evolution to provide all the little assistance, it would have to either eat meat or become extinct in one generation. Evolution is a poor security guard when instant action is required. Yet crisis of extinction is behind all evolution. But symbiotic relationships are common in nature. For example, the fig, one of nature's sweetest fruits, depends upon a special species of wasp. In the Encyclopedia of Forest Sciences, the following appeared, written by Mr. Gazul. One of the best-known highly specific interactions among plants and animals is the fig pollination system. Fig species, ficus, have evolved to be entirely dependent on specialized fig wasps for pollination. The tiny wasps live as adults for only a few days and spend most of their entire life within figs. Figs are actually clusters of flowers enclosed within a spherical or cylindrical structure termed a syconium. Female wasps enter the syconium through a narrow hole to seek out the tiny flowers upon which they lay their eggs. Wasp larvae feed on floral tissue, destroying ovioles in the process. Larvae develop into adult wasps that emerge into the central chamber of the syconium where they mate, after which the male die. During this time, pollen either adheres to female wasps passively or is actively collected by them prior to their emergence from the syconium in search of another fig tree. Pollination occurs when the wasps enter another syconium to lay eggs. Scientists are a peculiar breed. When they observe that ancient rocks stacked in a peculiar way, such as Stonehenge, or Mayan temples reveal the phenomenon in heaven, such as summer solstice or winter solstice, they immediately conclude intelligent design and give all kinds of theories of ancient calendars, strange religions, and alien astronauts. However, when those same scientists observe a thousand odd coincidences in the heavens, on the earth, and in nature that are responsible for creation, they immediately conclude serendipity of circumstances. 
or happy accident, such as with the Australian termite or the common fig. Why do you suppose that is, when one on the cosmic scale is far more spectacular than the other on a small geographical scale, and the least variation would unravel all creation? Is it because they are objective about man but not objective about God? Do they have an inherent prejudice against God in intelligent design that clouds their judgment? Imagine the trouble it took to create all the different forms of life, as well as the formation of the Goldilocks zone dependent upon the necessity of many constants to accommodate so much teeming life. Without law, none of it would be possible. The law of creation anticipated the crisis and prepared not only the earth and all of its mystery, but also provided all the necessary biological organisms in advance to be passed on to the next generation. Law, not luck, organizes insect and animal communities to help each other. In higher forms of life, especially man, Determinism diminishes according to agency to avoid corrupting free will. Those who have choice organize their own communities. Those who don't have choice fall into patterns of deterministic law making survival possible. Evolution only deals with inherited traits and accidental meetings of interdependent organisms. If chance were the only course of action, we would have no Australian termites and no figs, as well as very little else. Only blind prejudice prevents scientists from seeing the obvious. Evolution cannot provide new traits, organize laws, create new genes, invent new languages, or call a town meeting and ask for volunteers. It is against all the known scientific laws. The modern theory of evolution, which disregards laws and language, waits for the crisis to occur before it flies into action in the nick of time in 10 million years. From the evolutionist perspective, Seeds came 100 million years after the plants. I don't think so. The improbability defies all reason. How did any species survive until the seed came along? Intelligent design would first create the seed, or the first plant would have the production of the seed inherently in its genes. From the creationist perspective, seeds came first by natural processes of organized law through intelligent design. Such complexity of patterns we see on earth and in heaven require intelligent design. The law of creation anticipates all the necessary and sufficient requirements for survival and organizes them before the organisms are exposed to a hostile world. That is the purpose of the spiritual creation, as God said. Genesis 2.5 And every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew. Without proper organization of law, there would be no Australian termites, and no man, for man is far more complex than a termite. How many organisms do we have inside our bodies just to keep us alive? Some say the number is greater than the population of the earth. Such invisible creatures found in Australian termites can only be discovered by a powerful microscope. If such a small world requires different levels of symbiotic relationships, then one can only imagine the trillions of levels that exist in the microscopic, the macroscopic, and the telescopic realms. The theory of evolution cannot account for that. Nature is perfectly mathematical. Mathematics, like any other abstract language, has paradox. But evolution exceeds all probability. It is beyond comprehension. The law of creation based on governing principles designed by an omniscient creator is the only viable explanation. The theory of evolution is the theory of guaranteed extinction. How many billions of years would it take to put the termite complex together by natural selection? How did the first Australian termite survive before spirochetes? 
How did specialized wasps survive before the fig or the fig before the wasp? Every failure requires a new start. Time has nothing to do with it. It would have to be sheer luck untold billions of times. That is not acceptable to true science. Such astronomical improbabilities required to develop and sustain infinite patterns cannot possibly be explained by natural selection, no matter if they are on a streetcar named Desire, riding on the cumulative one-way street to improvement, or no matter how gentle the slope or how long the climb up Mount Improbable. A simple law or set of laws must be governing every pattern of every set of patterns in every sphere. Things must evolve in parallel fashion, not on a monorail, leading to no designated destination as evolutionists claim. Organized law, with purpose, not chance, brought together the billions of combinations necessary to sustain life, including that which can be detected only by the electron microscope. Add that to the innumerable patterns of the world we see with the naked eye and the world we can see only with the Hubble telescope. Sets of laws superimposed on sets of laws. One sphere higher than the other, till they build a Jacob's ladder to heaven, with God at the top. How can we possibly give credit to anything but a superior intelligence, an independent, irrefutable, eternal law? Einstein said it well. God does not play dice with the universe. One set of laws imposed upon another set of laws, from the microscopic world to the telescopic world. Where do the patterns end? If even one sphere is off, then all organisms die. Can such a thing be left to chance? And communication from cells to satellites, where does it end? Evolution does not account for the elaborate language of nature, nor even for the dance of the honeybee. And for pure show, even the preening peacock doesn't outdance the peacock spider. Of course, the peacock spider has a greater motivation. If his performance isn't acceptable, he winds up as the consumed rather than the consumer. There's a spiritual side to the law of creation that cannot be explained by temporal means. Life brings with it powers beyond the view of our microscopes and telescopes, the hidden spiritual laws, and the visible patterns of temporal laws, laws embedded in laws, patterns embedded in patterns. Spheres embedded in spheres contain the unmistakable signature of God. Patterns, order, perfect order, anything less is too improbable, too impossible. The common doxology, sometimes referred to as O100, written by Pastor Thomas Ken, 1637-1711, comes to mind. What gift of love could I offer to a king? What weight or worth could be held within my offering? when he alone is worthy. A glory song is inscribed upon my heart, this treasure held in an alabaster jar I break to bring him all glory. Praise God from whom all blessings flow, praise him all creatures here below. What sacrifice could be equal to his own? The cross of Christ has declared that there is not I owe, yet I know I owe him all. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Our Father God, the infinite, the matchless King, magnificent the living Christ, the servant son that prophesied, the saving one, the Holy Ghost gift from above the faithful friend, the seal of love. This life, this heart, this song to him, my all in all, 
my everything. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.